because like who taught us that we can't be loud about our triumphs or that joy is a protected event that can't be safely displayed in public hey you welcome to the surrender to thrive podcast a podcast that encourages black healers to put themselves first i'm melanie founder of surrender to thrive and clinical mental health therapist and i'm victoria licensed professional counselor and founder of trust between us a safe place to store your thoughts Every week, we'll be sitting down with folks from our community to have intimate conversations and take a holistic and honest dive into what it means to be well. All right, y'all, enough of the professional intros because we're getting all in our feelings today. <laughs> so get comfy and join us for this week's episode. Welcome back, y'all, to another episode of the Serenity to Thrive podcast. We're your host, Mel and Vic, and today we have another special guest. We're going to always say special because everybody comes on our podcast is special um, to us, and we will introduce her in just a second, but we want to ask a question we usually ask all of our guests, which we haven't asked in a while, um, this opportunity to start that again, and the question to you um, Grace is how has surrendering played a part in your journey? Oh man. <laughs> uh, mm. That is that is deep. Okay, let me have a minute to unpack this. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much. <laughs> mm. I think for me, honestly. It has facilitated my journey, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think I've even shared with you, um, like, why I call uh, my wellness offering Surrender. Uh, My main business is Encountering Grace, which is me, my my name and my person. Um, But then also, like, the experience of grace and what grace means. But then as I started to um, go through like my own personal experiences, um, they led me to seek out wellness and redefine what wellness means to me. Um, I found myself reluctantly at first, um, just like resisting and like meeting a lot of resistance. Um, And then just kind of, I don't know, just finding that a lot of like my issues were more exacerbated just by the lack of surrender in my life. Um, and then just through therapy, realizing that a lot of my um, issues stemmed from um, not really accepting my current reality. And a lot of that just circled around me always wanting to be somewhere else other than where um, I was. And so the pandemic was very hard for me in a lot of ways because it was the first time that I was forced to be still. Um, And so at first the quiet and the stillness was very foreign to me um, and uncomfortable. But then it was also in that same space of discomfort and silence that I learned how to surrender um, and just how to just be and be okay with exactly where I am. Um, And so that took a lot of, therapy and growth and healing um 
But yeah, I think in that time period is where like surrender for me as a practice, um, as a mantra, as a business just kind of evolved because I realized like this is what I need to facilitate everything that I wish to embody in my life, in my practice, um, in my community. And that's just what I kind of hope to facilitate for other people. So I hope I answered that question yeah. <laughs> the best that I could without being able to know which I was going to ask. <laughs> you definitely did because I think one of the things you highlighted was like embodying, like being able to practice what exactly surrender is um, for you because it means different things for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's one way that we all can, I don't know, just learn how to not only think these things but actually do them <laughs> like put them yeah. into practice um and I think like you said the pandemic was definitely one of those things that challenged all of us in different ways and it's not like one of the ways it challenged you was to actually practice the thing that you were you know knowing that you needed to practice but but maybe not taking the time to do it but then the pandemic was like oh you're gonna do this because now you got time <laughs> you're gonna make the time type of thing, yeah so. pretty much But I was just very burned out because um, even though I was doing a lot of things somewhat well, I wasn't really paying attention to my body. And a lot of my life felt very much like a checklist, like go to school, um, you know, report to this hospital, do this, go to work, do this assignment, go be here for this person, show up for that person. Um, And so the pandemic for me, not only did it slow me down, but it provided me the optimal opportunity to learn how to switch from doing to being. Um, and so that's why I try to be intentional, even with my wording and just shifting from um, just like offering or doing something versus embodying it, because that reminds me to one, live in my body and take stock and be um, become more aware of how I'm feeling and then moving more intuitively from there. Um, because it's so easy for me. It's like my default to just go back into that do, do, do mode um, mm. versus rather um, rather than just being. Um, and that's just my own personal accountability because I want to be someone that embodies and practices what I preach and not just like out here telling people to do a whole lot of stuff that's not really practical or realistic and what I'm not doing. Thank you for sharing that. And of course, we already said her name and she even shared a little bit about her journey. Um, But Grace, welcome to the podcast. Um, I want to give you space to share like who you are, um, what you do, or how you want to introduce yourself. You don't got to even tell people what you do, just how you want to introduce yourself to the podcast. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me. I am um, very excited to be here. but as you all have already introduced me, I am Grace. Um, some people call me Dr. Grace. Some people just call me Grace. Um, but I am a nurse anesthesiologist and an intuitive wellness facilitator. And um, I like to offer community wellness um, and like corporate wellness consulting um, that's really centered on intuitiveness and self-care, um, raising self-awareness, and really just diversifying the wellness space and encouraging people to um, develop a lifestyle centered around wellness. 
and making wellness more accessible as a lifestyle rather than just a luxury. Because too often, I feel like people, especially our people, Black people, we think of wellness as a space that's not meant for us, um, because a lot of them aren't. If you think about wellness offerings, um, retreats or spas or whatever, um, we don't see ourselves in the marketing. We don't see ourselves in any of the opportunities or ads or anything like that. Um, And then when we go to these places and spaces, we don't even see instructors or other people who look like us. And so we're not encouraged or um, assisted in even occupying any of these spaces. And so I am trying to do my part in changing that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Victoria and I actually met you, Granny, together. And I think that's one thing I do love about me and Vic's uh, relationship is that we're not one of them friends. It's like, you can't come in here. It's just us. Like, you, right. oh, like it's just me. It's always like open. Team, no friends. Yeah, like, it's no problem. Like, we're secure in a relationship where we don't feel threatened by other people joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's how I feel. I'm with Victoria, but that's how I feel, too. That's how I feel. No, I second that. Um, I second that. <laughs> and... Um, when we met you, um, it was really great meeting you one because we met like through sound, like through sound healing and in a community mm-hmm. space as well. And it has um, evolved into a new friendship and a partnership in the future, in the near future. So, um, but we'll get out to that because I think it's going to relate to some of the things we're talking about, especially um, the episode topic, which is the cost of moving in silence. So, we just gonna jump right in. I wanna get y'all's like, when you hear moving in silence, what comes up for you or what experiences have you had where you was like, yeah, I'm moving in silence? Lil Wayne, my first thought. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since he was like, real G's moving in silence like lasagna. I'm like, ooh, that's hard. <laughs> and I just got my Lil Wayne hoodie today. So I know, um, anyway, <laughs> uh, for me though, I think of moving in silence is like, I, I don't know. The cost is it's cost is two different things for me too, but I'm gonna break it down to the best of my ability. So like moving in silence for me means that you're not talking about it, you being about it. You know, you you taking action, you just doing it, and then people are seeing the results. Like you're not really explaining or telling people, hey, I'm planning on doing this, then I'm gonna do this, then I'm gonna do that. You know what I'm saying? Like you just do it. Like you sit in your mind and, and you consult with yourself. And it's silent to the rest of the world, but it shouldn't be silent to you because there's some people who they don't have a plan. They just go out there and doing stuff. And then you can tell like you just all over the place um, and you really don't have any direction. So not, you know, moving in silence with yourself, but moving in silence with the world doesn't have to know your every single move. Um, and then when I think of the word cost, I think of it in two it's, different ways. Oh, we ain't there yet. Oh, <laughs> my bad. We all moving in silence. <laughs> like when you hear moving in silence, like what's yeah, like what's yeah. Coming? Okay, well there, there we go. Lil Wayne like, and what I just said. Yeah. So it's like doing versus doing. Just talking. Walk the walk, not talking. Okay. okay. Yeah, okay. that's me. <laughs> um, I guess here I go with the unpopular opinion. <laughs> um Honestly, to me, I've, I don't know. I've just never, like, even the first time I've heard of it, I was like, why? Um, like, I struggled to connect with that thought. Um, because to me, I don't know, it almost, it almost seems like a trauma response. You're going to get to that, too. You're At least to me. <laughs> because, like, who taught us that we can't be loud about our triumphs or that joy 
is a protected event that can't be safely displayed in public. Um, and I think for most of us, you know, most Black people, we've adapted to the traumas that we've survived by learning to hide our joy, almost to the point of non-existence. So I guess my question would be, how can we reclaim and recultivate our joy while also protecting its existence? Because I'm not saying that moving in silence isn't necessary, but I also feel like it exists as a trauma response or as a response to something traumatic. Like, I don't think it's something natural that we should continue to live in unless it's serving us more in that moment to be more protective. Um, but I think we need to acknowledge that and know the difference. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I'm like in the middle, um, especially as someone, like you said, Grace, like moving in silence for me when I think naturally I like to get excited and share with my friends or share with my family. But because of my experiences, I I for I think for a long time that's it was one of the ways I protected myself and my mm -hmm. enthusiasm and my joy because I felt like other people wouldn't understand it or they'll kind of like shame me for you know having joy or like yeah. calm down or like whatever it may be. So I think it's a little bit of both of um like wanting to do the things I'm saying. But at the same time, the reason why maybe I am a little more silent about it um, is because I wasn't celebrated for having joy or for going after what I wanted to go after. Or maybe not, I guess, celebrating like being supportive or like having a little more enthusiasm when I tell you something like, you know how some parents be so busy, like, oh, okay, whatever, like, go ahead. You know, it's kind of like, okay, I get that response. So now I have to be silent about what I'm doing. Because yeah. you know, by, it's no cheerleader for me. So I have to be my own cheerleader. Exactly. So I do a yeah. big thing like you celebrate your, you tell yourself what it is that you want and then doing it. Um, but I can also acknowledge that it came from pain as well. So yeah. I'd actually want to move right into that. Um, in speaking about relational and cultural trauma. Hold um, on, hold on. Because y'all, y'all says y'all says some stuff, man. Like trauma response got my antennas like, what? Okay. Because like let's get into it. Yeah, I want to. You know, I, I don't know if I move in silence or don't these days. Like I, I can see it from a from both both angles. Like, you know, I'm not one side or the other. Um for me I don't, it doesn't feel like a trauma response most days. Um, when I heard that though, what I thought about is like different examples. So it's like, if I say I'm gonna do something and then I don't follow through with it and I've already told people, then I'm a failure. Or, mm -hmm. you know, how many times have we told somebody we're gonna do something and we give them a timeline and then we don't meet it. And then they keep asking, keep asking. You're like, dang, quit asking. I'm gonna do it when I do it. You know, you get annoyed mm -hmm. almost because it's like, I already feel bad that I didn't follow through on this commitment. And now I'm reminded because I've had to tell people. So I think about it from that standpoint of what I'm talking about doing something and I haven't quite solidified the starting point, which starting is the hardest part. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just like if I haven't solidified that and I constantly get these reminders, I'm almost discouraged and wish I hadn't said anything versus if people see me just do yeah. something, you know, amazing or remarkable. It's like, oh, well, dang, I didn't know you was working like that. Yeah. It make you feel yeah. good about yourself and other person. Cause it's like I followed through. I didn't have nobody, you know, holding me accountable because a lot of times accountability mm -hmm. partners can either make you or break you. Sometimes it could be too much. Sometimes it could be too little. It just really depends. It's trial and error. Then mm -hmm. I thought about like, if I don't share then what does that mean about me? Like, is it, like you say, is that the trauma response with me not sharing? If I'm choosing not to share something, but then I went back into where my trauma response came up for me. It's like when I've had situations 
where I've shared things that are joyous to me, shared things that I was, you know, excited about. And I'm not met with that same energy. Yeah. A person's not celebrating mm-hmm. me in a way that I expected. So I'm all excited. And they just like, okay. And you're like, well, dang, oh, I guess I shouldn't have told mm-hmm. you. So it's like, <laughs> either you learn to not tell certain people because, you know, I can tell my friends and I expect a certain thing, but if those friends don't respond in a way that I'm expecting, because I've already, you know, rehearsed in my mind what this is going to feel like, because I know what I feel like on the inside, like they're going to be happy for me too. And they don't meet me with that. Then I'm like, well, I can't tell my friends nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, or if I tell my family, but they don't really get that side of me or they're not really into the things I'm into, that can be a hindrance. So I thought about both of those when y'all were sharing. Um, And then I thought about how in the past, when I was younger, the term copycat, like if you share something to somebody did the same thing, it was like this negative connotation. Are you just copying her? You know, monkey see, monkey do. Like you heard that so much versus now you hear oh, you're a trendsetter. Oh, that's marketing. Oh, this is a movement. And you want followers. You want people to do what you're doing. So it's just like times have really changed and my mindset has changed so much because like I was taught to stand out, be original. Don't tell anybody what you're doing. Just do it for yourself. But then I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about how people say everybody making bread, they all get money. But you know, you got people who are like, oh, Sarah Sarah Lee gonna be better or Bunny is better. It's all bread at the end of the day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, those ingredients going to overlap at some point. And so it's like, everybody going to eat. I'm at that mindset where it's like, it, I don't have to hide my ideals, not all of them anyway. Um, you know, it's certain things like acronyms and stuff people keep to themselves because they want to copyright. But outside of those things, I just, I'm kind of torn between how much to share, you know, and how much not to share. Because I don't want to be an overshare. But I also don't want to, like you said, hide my joy, hide my excitement about things that I should be excited about. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that for y'all had moved on. That's all. No, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. A couple of things that I had thought about, Vic, when you were talking. Um, and I think it kind of goes back to um the last thing that you said, um, about wanting to know how much to share of your joy. Um and one of my questions to you would be is to, well, who is your joy for? Because if it's for you, then what other people think or what they gain from it is extra. Um, and then I would, I would just move intuitively from there, just recognizing that my joy is for me and whatever ways I display it is going to serve that purpose and whatever purpose that I need it to be. Like, for example, um, I decided a long time ago um, like towards the end of my marriage that I was no longer going to um, like stifle myself or my joy or my personality. And so a lot of times, like you can find me like no lie in the middle of the grocery store dancing to my favorite song if it just happens to come <laughs> on the over on the overhead speakers. Because why not? Yeah. Like, why not? What's the worst that's going to happen? Somebody's going to stare at me and be like, oh my gosh, she's weird. Okay, I'm a little bit weird. And or other people might see it and be inspired to be like, you know what? She liked this song and she's dancing because it makes her happy. Why can't I do the same? Um, because it's not for them, it's for me. Um, and I'm still able to be productive, get my groceries, whatever else, but I can also still have joy in that moment. Like, oh my gosh, like this is my song, you know, whatever else, and fully live in that moment and enjoy it. Um, but going back to something that you said at the beginning, when you were talking about, one of the reasons why you started to move in silence was after you started telling people something that you either were working on or um, were doing and people just kind of following up and trying to be accountable, but then just feeling that guilt for not performing um, and feeling like your option or the solution was to just stop sharing. 
Um, and one of the things that I was thinking as you were saying that was just like, where's the room to pivot? Where's the space for imperfection? Because like, yeah, we have this process um, and it's great to have accountability, but it's like, what are they holding you accountable to? The task or the process? Because if they're holding you accountable to the process and, you know, naturally there are some hiccups or there's some bumps or whatever along the way, making space for that and making space for you to be a whole person who sometimes needs to pivot, change directions, take a break. And it might take longer than you said before, and that's okay because you're allowed that. Um, and it doesn't make you a failure. There are other options. Um, you're a person who thought that you would have this said thing done by this date and you didn't, but you're still working on it and that's okay. Um, so that was one thing that I had thought about. And then just something that I think when I guess I'm tempted to move in silence, um, it usually shows up for me more so of like when you said, um, like when we were taught as children um, to kind of keep it to yourself because you don't want to seem like you're copycatting off somebody else. Um, Cause I felt that same way. Like I might have an idea or a thought or I might be excited about something. And then I feel like this natural inclination to like, stifle my joy or you know like tone it down and like wait a minute like we have to be adults about this and adults don't share their joy adults don't just go around telling their half-baked ideas until it's like fully perfected and fully formed mm -hmm. um or like a lot of times when I grew up some of the motivations to not share is just because you want to you know protect it because somebody else might steal it and to me I'm like that's given scarcity mentality like Vic was saying like there's room for all of us at this table we can all eat um so yeah I I think that's where I'm most tempted which is maybe triggered like by my childhood and how I was taught you know to just kind of move in silence and you know not share what you have going on and it's like but why because in community maybe my idea you know can be made better or maybe the things that I'm struggling to perfect can be better perfected by someone else who has a similar mindset or we can partner together but I just think that the whole moving in silence doesn't really leave space for community at all because it's just like we got to be doing it alone we got to be doing it in silence and when we do do it it's got to be right and it got to be so and it's got to be big like because right in order to win people's approval and congratulations and for it to be seen as successful yeah, and, and I was like, like, who, yeah, told like who told us that? Because that really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. It does suck. And I, I know I'm I'm definitely a person that has a lot of ideas. And <laughs> even with Sarantha Thrive, it was it was really personal to me. Um, that I think in the beginning I kind of moved in silence, but I learned to not move in silence and more connecting with people who be more intentional about who I'm celebrating with versus just completely mm -hmm. just shutting down and not allowing anybody in because I wanted to yeah. keep it just myself um but I love that you all like all of us have shared like some of the reasons why we move inside and some of the things that we noticed in our own community because I saw this article it was by um Blavity is how I'm pronouncing it um it's like a news black news mm -hmm. black yeah I've seen it Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in 2016, it was this article called Six Reasons Why It's Sometimes Necessary to Move in Silence. And the, um, some of the things they mentioned was ideas need time. Mm -hmm. Others may not share your vision. 
New ideas can be easily stolen. People will critique. Haters can send bad energy. You'll need to protect your enthusiasm. And I was like, that's all negative. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where I want to go into like the cultural and the relationship. Like I said, it's a black, you know, um, platform. And some of the same things that we shared are obviously connected to this article as well. Like some of the things that they shared about reasons why it's necessary to to move in science to protect your enthusiasm. It's like, why does our enthusiasm need protection? But I also exactly. think that's why the trauma portion kind of comes in. So um I think we all kind of already touched on it, but what are some um either personal experiences or just things that you see when it comes to our relationships? So that's what I mean by relational trauma, like our relationships, how we experience moving in silence because of our relationship traumas or because of our cultural challenges. Uh, I mean cultural challenge, not challenges, challenges or traumas. <laughs> Uh, like we are like kind of like that crabs in the bucket type of thing. Like mm-hmm. we got to move inside because we're nobody still our ideas. So we can be at the top and we can be the one, the chosen mm-hmm. one, um, because we feel like it wasn't enough space for all of us to win type of thing. Right. Um, so that's like an example of like the cultural trauma, you know, as far as um, being black <laughs> in America and in relation we kind of touched on those things of like our primary caregivers not showing up in a way because more maybe they didn't understand um where we were headed maybe they just too busy or they were trying to take care of other things in the household they seem more um important because survival type of thing it can just be so many different things so uh that's why i really want to get into it's just like the trauma that comes with why we move in silence i don't know if i have like i can't think of like relational trauma like outside of like what i mentioned like friendships and stuff like Cause like my family, I had to answer a question. They like, who's your support system? Is it friends? Is it family? I'm like, literally both. Like I got a bomb group of people around. It ain't always been that way, but now it definitely is. Like my, my parents go root for me regardless, whether they understand it or not, they go in my corner. That's the one thing I can say. And my sister, she like, she like a portable hype person. I swear. (laughs) Like I I love her. She, she'll be what, 20 this year, I think. Uh, But she just. Even though it's a nine year gap, like when I say whatever I do, she's like, you go, sis. You did that. Like she just <laughs> makes me feel good. And even when I'm not expecting, I just like, I like you, girl. Like, you know, I love you. So I don't know. It's like my sister just is that person, like I said, that just is been in my corner. My parents in my corner, like they gonna judge and have their little comments and jokes, but I don't move in silence around them. Anything I'm doing and wanna do, they are the first to know. Like mm-hmm. I literally run in my room and stand in the hall like, hey, everybody listen, open y'all doors. Like and tell everybody what I'm doing at one time. Like I did that yesterday, you know, with the situation I mentioned before we got on. So it's just like, um, yeah, I don't have any there, but like friendships, like, I don't know. I, I really can't think about anything. Like I, I've like moved past a lot of it. So it's kind of hard for me to even think of a example right now. I love that. So for you, Vic, since you say that your family and friends are supportive, when you do feel compelled to move in silence, where do you feel like that is coming from? Is it more internal or is it from like learned behavior or is it coming from something else? Dr. Grace gonna pull the gems out of me tonight, huh? You should come on to the counseling field. You hear me? Like, like, why she trying to do me like that? We supposed to be chit chat with you, Grace. No. I just like to ask clarifying questions because I and minds want to know. No, it, I, it's an excellent question, you know, for for our listeners as well. But no, uh, 
um for me it's definitely internal i am always my biggest critic you know i'm hardest on myself and so like it comes from like me not reframing that it's not failure it's human right so it's like i've just become accustomed to saying i'm human i'm giving myself grace like literally i just you know podcast episode i do a meal about talking about what is grace what does that mean and how do i access it because i'm not used to doing that for me i i go to that default of i'm a moving silence i'm gonna show that i'm gonna show you but i can tell you and then when i've done it i've felt amazing about it and so it's like for me it's not i feel more or less good if i move in silence versus if i don't it's more so like I feel good when I show up for myself and I commit to myself and follow through. Like that's what makes me feel good. It doesn't matter if I moved in silence prior or if I told the world about it, when I can commit to doing something for me and then look at the other end of it, like, man, I did that. I I worked through this procrastination, even when it's taking longer, even when life is life. And like, that's just what makes me feel good. So Mm -hmm. um, it definitely doesn't come from outside though. That's something I, I learned a long time ago. Like, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm in my own way a lot of times um, or used to be, but I'm not anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think for me, um, the times I have moved in silence, like even with like Serena Survival, even the podcast, I think a lot of those things my family didn't know about. Like my friends and like my second, my, um, is, is it called second family? Um, which like your chosen friend. family chosen. There's, I cannot think of that word for some reason my chosen family I think um everybody in that community knew um and I was always talking about it or sharing my ideas and expressing myself but when it came to family I definitely um, moved in silence because they just now like even my dad was on the podcast and like he didn't know about it for a while um it's not because he wasn't supportive my mom was supportive but I always been like what we call like the black sheep in the family. I always was doing different shit that nobody would understand. <laughs> like what Melody was doing. Like, why is she reading books? <laughs> you know, like why is, you know, she's flying the country. Why? It's not safe. Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's facing like that's not different. But for for my family, a lot of people haven't done some of the things I've done. Um, and it can be like, why are you doing this type of thing? So mm-hmm. I never wanted no outside voices or it like somebody's own like insecurities or somebody's own stuff to like come into my world because mm-hmm. I went to like even even like how you said um Victoria I don't think our inner voice is shaped just by us it's by our experiences it's by our yeah. experience we can take responsibility for it like once we get to a place where we want to take accountability and ownership but I do feel like we gotta give ourselves some grace with that too because we're not responsible for our, our inner voice, especially, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> as we unpacking all our stuff later on in life, we realize like, actually, I I didn't create this, you know, but now I'm responsible for it. So what can I do with it? So I felt like I knew early on that well, I started to see that um I needed to protect myself in that way to not allow like people to just you know, make little funny jokes. I'm like, ha ha, whatever, like. I tried to um, protect myself in those ways because I knew, I guess I'm sensitive energetically. Like if somebody comes to my space that's just like really negative or Mm -hmm. I can judge people um, harshly or don't give other people grace or always got something to say. It's just like, ugh, like I'm cool on that. I don't need Mm -hmm. that. Um, 
and if you know, I can't control other people, you know, what they say, what they do. So um, I just focused on myself and protecting myself in those ways. I think for me, moving in silence was my way of protecting myself and yeah. my dreams or my business, or my ideas and stuff like that. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So a friend, like a boundary. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> my friends, yeah. they, they everybody know about that. Uh, I have no problem sharing it. I never want to be a person just like, just cut everybody off from like um from having the opportunity to celebrate me or to join mm-hmm. with me in community like things like that um if there are times where I do need silence it's because I need to sit with my own thoughts and my own feelings before mm-hmm. anybody else comes in and kind of it kind of gets tangled up in someone else's world so I'll sit with something for a minute and I'm like okay I'm ready to share and I always do um so I'm not just keeping things to myself especially if it's something that's really heavy for me. Um, mm-hmm. I want to be able to, you know, share that with other people and get that support that I need because we all need that support through yeah. challenging times or whatever time, good times or bad times. So, so yeah, that was my experiences. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Just exercising it as a boundary. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that makes sense. And it seems very intentional because something you said um initially like one of the reasons that you didn't share with your family is just because you knew how they were going to respond to it and it kind of goes back to I don't know who said it but I kind of started circulating in different renditions um, a while back but just learning how not to continue to try to communicate with people who are dead set on misunderstanding you mm-hmm. so at that point like now it's an act of self-harm for me to continue to try to appeal for your validation when I know you're never going to get it mm-hmm. um so yeah, no, I hear you with that. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, for me, I think back to um, my marriage, like when I was married, I got married very young. I was 18 years old. So I married my high school sweetheart. And um, when things started to get kind of rough and get into this like chaotic cycle of dysfunction um then I couldn't yet readily identify and like name um but it just felt not right um I noticed that I started to kind of move more in silence I guess um and that more so for me was just one out of shame um because I didn't have the words I didn't know how to talk about what was happening I couldn't explain it a lot of it was very ambiguous, um, just dealing with um, a partner who had like na- narcissistic tendencies and just certain things. So when you're being gaslit and your reality is being distorted for the first time and you're not really sure like what's happening, like that in and of itself is hard. So my default was just to be silent and not explain it because I didn't really know how. Um, but then I noticed like, with my other friends or in other relationships, there were just different things. Like it, they didn't seem to argue as much or maybe the things that they argued about, it was just different. Um, But I had never been married before. I didn't come from a two-parent household. My mom was a single parent. Um, I had godparents who were loving and I, you know, I spent periodic time with them, but it was never on like a day-to-day basis to where like I got to do life and see two parents argue in a healthy way and still love each other. so everything that I saw and experienced, I thought was normal because it was normal um, to me. But I think that it kind of hindered me in a way and it kept me 
there for so long in that toxic space because I didn't have the community to lean on and talk to and for people to say, hey, sis, like, that's not normal. Or, hey, like, that's not okay. Um, And so I think that had I had that, um, it might have made a difference. Maybe I would have left sooner. I might have sought help sooner. I might have adapted more healthier coping mechanisms sooner than I did. Um, It's hard to say, but I think that's one time period in my life that I can pinpoint most specifically when I kind of adapted to moving more in silence. And that was more so because I just didn't have the word. So it was almost like I was silent by my trauma that I was living in. And then it kind of took some work and some time and undoing to start learning my voice again and then how to use it and recognizing my own voice from the voice of, you know, my ex, the person who was, you know, causing these issues. So thank God for sharing it because I feel like, um, I mean, our relationships definitely have a, a huge impact on like who we are and the experiences that we have. Um, I feel like they do, they play a major role in like how we navigate life and how we feel about ourselves. And then obviously once we get to a place where we take ownership of our own experiences and just our just our being in general, I think that we can get a different result um, <laughs> for sure. All right, y'all, we're going to pause right here. We're going to take a breather, but we will be back. Trust me, <laughs> we are loving this conversation and we have so much more to share. So please step by and join us next week for part two of this episode where we will continue to share our reflections on moving in silence and, you know, share a little sneak peek into our plans to co-create experiences for our community that supports our well-being and us just being, as Grace stated, unapologetically in progress. Thanks again for listening. And remember, the journey is never complete. And we look forward to you joining us next week. Yeah, I'll be trying to rhyme. Like, anyway. <laughs> Bye.